Welcome to Verbal Art, a podcast where we talk about artsy stuff in different locations. Hey listener, so um, in this episode, accidentally we stood next to this big electrical control cabinet for a while. We are in uh, Helsinki Art Museum, which is a big gallery, big museum in Helsinki. And so for some of the interview, we're standing next to the control cabinet that has like that controls all the light and sound and everything in the museum. Um, and that has made some electrical interference with the sound on the recording. And I didn't realize while recording it. So there is some noise on some of this recording, but I have done my best to clean it. And I just wanted to let you know in advance that it's not throughout the whole recording. So yeah, on and off some noise, but it's not continuous. And at some point we are moving through the gallery away from this noisy electrical in uh, magnetic interference. I'm not really sure, but yeah. So this is why the sound is a little bit funky. Uh, but just so you know, it's not going to be the whole interview that is going to be annoying in your ears. Let's start here. Yeah. Okay, we're rolling. Uh, hi. Yeah. <laughs> it's good. <laughs> Work yeah, there sounds. Is, there is all, all the people walking here. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Uh, welcome to Verbal Art with me, Senia Ram. Um, this art podcast where I interview people about their artworks and and the places they're in and uh, for the first time we have someone who is here to talk about someone else's art (laughs) (laughs) which is the first uh, I'm here in Ham which is Helsinki Art Museum uh, in in English abbreviated to Ham here in Helsinki with uh, Clément Barreau Biro. I'm yeah. so sorry. You are not the first person that I mispronounced. <laughs> um, we had an exchange student in my school recently from France who was called Baro for last name. So, so that's why, yeah. Yeah, it's a good excuse. Yeah, it's Baro. <laughs> yeah. uh, do you want to introduce yourself? Uh, yeah, um, so I'm Clément Baro. Um, I'm 35 years old already. And I live in Helsinki since, since almost seven years now. And I'm originally from France, and uh, I've been an artist, but I don't consider myself as an artist anymore, actually. Why? Um, I prefer to concentrate more on uh, the curating, that's why I've been uh, studying in Vika. Mm. And also, uh, I've been a technician for almost 15 years now, before in France, in some galleries in Paris, and now since maybe, since 2019 actually, in Ham. Yeah, so. And that's why we're here today because I met Clement and heard that he is a, a, a technician in this big gallery. And I was like, wow, we never talked to someone before who worked as a te- technician. Which, um, is it common that the technicians are also artists? Super common. Yeah, right? Super sp- I don't know actually any technician who are just technician. I know also <coughs> several artists like sculptors and stuff who has worked as technicians for like been hired for by an artist to help put up their show or something um yeah it can be also easily become a void 
like usually you start in doing technician job because of money yeah it's because a good you, side gig yeah, yeah exactly but then sometimes you end up well like me like you end up by just doing that and then not have time to concentrate on your own stuff and so. you know what i think that's common within all the creative businesses because yeah, yeah exactly i knew a lot of djs back in the day who who were djs and producers and stuff but then they took all these like party gigs like for corporate uh, Christmas lunches and weddings and stuff and it was so good money so they started doing it so that they would have time to work on their own stuff and in the yeah. end it killed the art for them they didn't want to play anymore yeah. you know like some of them have told tales of how they were like sitting in the back of the wedding almost crying and like <laughs> hating the job never playing any records they actually liked and then just like some of them just quitting completely yeah yeah it's, it's super difficult mentally uh, actually yeah like we have now uh, some, with some of the technician of ham and also some it's kind of a, a group there is some who are working ham but also in Taidehali, in Amosrex, in Kiasma like it's kind of a little uh, world underworld of technici technicians <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, so we have now like an exhibition in Estonia in Tartu because exactly because of this that uh, when we are all um, hanging the Helsinki Biennale 2021 two mm -hmm. years ago we all like realize that hey, we are always when we are working we are talking about our own artwork but we are installing someone else's artwork oh, and yeah. then we never have the opportunity to maybe well of course some have more exhibition than others and then so we were we were thinking like yeah let's let's have an exhibition on our own so now we have an exhibition of like eight technicians <laughs> which uh, is kind of like diverse exhibition with lots because I'm a, I used to be a photographer but there's some sculptures and painters and drawers and and even like uh, doing some let's say um, etching yeah you know things i don't know what you call them. yeah it's within the field etching of printmaking yeah exactly yeah. printmaking artists and yeah nice so, yeah. so uh, is that self-organized or did someone curate it or it's kind of self-organized somehow like we kind of curated which can also made it a bit messy <laughs> sometimes that's what you need maybe like you need like the curator who kind of set all, all the bases before but doing the messy thing. group shows can also have like a lot to do in their yeah. own right I, think. I don't know yeah yeah of course like i'm not saying messy in a, in a negative way mm. because at the end i think the world the show is quite nice so did you all create new works for this specific exhibition no, i think it was more like we wanted to highlight uh, our works and then also and as a, in the, the exhibition text to mention also this thing as like we are all technician and then like questioning also the hierarchy in the art world mm. because also like we have this kind of thinking like you know when you're a technician there is let's let's now put the right into the topic but like when you're a technician sometimes you can be considered like working class of the art field and I usually consider people as being working class as an art field when you're a technician. It's a blue collar job within the art world. Yeah, yeah. like lots of, uh, like there's always this kind of like, it's difficult because it's so, you know, when you're in the culture field, everything is so like, ah, everything's so beautiful. We are all like working together for the good and for the well-being of people and for the cultural knowledge and stuff. Well, there is like, I mean, I'm making a big generalization here. <laughs> But, uh, but there's this kind of thing and then sometimes you have this feeling that uh, you're just uh, as some of my colleagues say a monkey with a hammer you know and uh, most of the technicians actually in ham they have all master degree in arts in yeah. fine art and stuff but yeah 
So sometimes, you know, like when you when you see the creator of a show, you see like curator, there's always the PhD in fine art or master in fine art. And then when there is the mention of the technician, it's not written the master of fine art because who cares? And know? is the technician even mentioned in the credits? Like they are this? mentioned, yeah. Okay. And and uh, now we are we've been actually pushing to also mention all the CRA workers. So CRA. <laughs> the what? CRA, it's a company. Which is okay. like, so HAM and some of the museums are using this company, which is kind of like manpower company to hire. So for instance, when I like now, I'm not working full time in the HAM. I used to, but so I used to have a contract with HAM. And now mm -hmm. when I come to install exhibition, I'm under CRE contract, which okay. means that HAM is contracting CRE and CRE is taking care of all the, you know, all the, I don't know, the charges and all this kind of social charge that needs to be paid and for them, uh, all this kind of. Shit stuff. So extra hands. Yeah, so Ham is just paying Seure and Seure is paying us and Seure is taking care of all the taxi stuff. Mm -hmm. So they're just outsourcing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Some some other places don't do it, uh, but some lots of places do it. And Ham is actually paying quite okay. I mean, it's not compared to some other museum. I'm not going to say some name, but some museums are paying more and some museums are paying way much less. Okay, for the so, same service and the same company. So this company yeah. accepts different pay from... I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm not going to go into this because I don't know exactly, but I think it's kind of the museum also who set their rules about like, yeah, we can pay that amount and then I guess there's like some Yeah, yeah, sure. Exactly. It's very interesting. Yeah. And so before it was only the technicians who were in-house who were credited and all yeah. the extra hired, they were just like yeah, anonymous not, workers? Yeah, exactly. For the Biennale 2021, uh, I don't think anybody saw the name of the people who've been hanging the exhibition. And I think like that's been creating lots of frustrations from the technicians because of course like well working like two months full you know like uh, some of us like work actually early really far so you know going to Balisari it was like one hour of transport so two hours every day and then not even like kind of acknowledged that's great lots of frustration so now you actually have now you have all the credits so now everybody's mentioned which oh is yeah quite, that's yeah, really which good is quite nice. did yeah, you yeah. like unionize and say we will well, not hang a single picture more <laughs> i would i would love that there is union of technicians but they have to say like the the, the field is so poor in terms of i don't know i think it's a problem in the art world in general like uh, it's um you know the musicians have really established uh royalty union systems and like uh, standard hires for hours and shows and stuff mm -hmm. performers are used to getting paid for every show all of this and the art world the fine arts world is somehow a little bit more scattered like the union systems that are they're very like private uh, and and smaller there's no these like large national standardized mm -hmm. things yeah. And so, well, there yeah. is there is unions in in you know, for like when I was working as a full time, I got this union. There is this union, but more like uh, as a cultural worker. Yeah. So you, in a way, it's nice because you have the same status as the conservator or as the curator or etc. But somehow, like a union just define themselves only as defending the technician job that doesn't exist. And I also highlight the fact that now there is one in France, mm -hmm. and I discovered this like. Two years ago, I think I was in Rencontre d'Art. I don't know if you know this. Um, it's like a photography exhibition in the whole city in Arles, in the south mm. of France. It's kind of the biggest. I've uh, never photography. been to south of France. Oh, so, yeah, I know. I've been to Paris. Yeah, which is also okay. <laughs> But uh, and there was this. I was watching a, an exhibition, and at the end there was this um, A3 paper saying like we are not fucking slaves. 
and like and that was this kind of thing and then I, they were looking for testimony and then I sent my testimony because in France I used to work for a gallery and I was really badly paid they didn't they were not paying my extra hours they were really always thinking and there was always this rhetoric of like you know in the art field we live of fresh water and love you know this kind of yeah we do it for the sake of the art the sake if of the you art like, you know it's for the yeah exactly it for fuels the, your soul yeah. man and you know on your CV it's gonna be so good I was like yeah okay my CV doesn't fill up my fridge tomorrow so you need yeah, to yeah my, my CV is so long that yeah. I have to always delete half of it before I can send it anywhere because yeah. you can't send that many pages exactly so yeah so I sent my testimony to this uh, this uh, group of people and now I think they've been sending the testimony to the Ministry of Culture and then now there is like some kind of union which is kind of a shame because now I don't live in France anymore but <clears throat> but the thing yeah I don't think it's going to happen in Finland but at least there is some kind of solidarity among the technicians I mean there so. are also minimum wage standards here and stuff but there is it it is still different like the fine art world also for the artists it's different than a lot of other uh, creative fields it's mm. like less uh, centralized or in the like how it's controlled and mm. and mannered which maybe i don't know enough about it maybe it's good in some ways but i do know that it's like the, the pay <clears throat> is a general thing yeah it's kind of it's kind of a paradox i mean always in, in finland this paradox of uh, <laughs> uh, products of like uh, uh, this is a small world, a small uh, art field. So in a way, it's quite nice because everybody knows each other, and then there's mm -hmm. maybe the hierarchy is not that strong. But because it's also a small world, and there's less budget, and then there's less uh, maybe people have lots of ideas, but always being stopped stop by lack of budget. Which is yeah, like I mean Helsinki is super busy with like very small underground self-organized things yeah. like art shows, everything with no budget, mm -hmm. all the art students and stuff. Yeah. It's like a lot is happening all the time, yeah. but, but it's a it's super low scale where no one gets a salary. Yeah, and that's, that's the annoying thing because it's, it makes it super vivid and that's really nice. There's always this, lots of literacy in this little collective. Uh, appearing here and there, but they always like have a short time life. Also, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Hi. I'm, here all the time. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm never here, but I'm always here. You know? okay. We are interviewing for a podcast. Yeah. Okay. My role as a technician. This is Sanna to the Congress uh, curator. Oh, hi. Sure. I'm Senia. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet yeah. you. Oh, it's your son. It's there's there's more sun in the north it never goes down oh yeah there's more sun in the north it never goes down yes we are just talking about it that's why it's so far away we can't it's not so far away it's really not that far but yeah But is it so far from Tallinn that you can't make it on a day trip with the boat? Do you have to stay? Yeah, kind of. Uh, then it becomes a little bit further away. Two, two, yeah. two and a half hours of train. Yeah, no, then it's a little bit so, tired. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you have some pictures of this. Did you see the pictures on Instagram? I don't think so. Yeah. It's, my phone is so small. <laughs> 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 yeah, it's irritating. Yeah. Ah, yeah. 
Too much clothes because I'm used to the weather changing. Yeah, like the same, and I'm sweating like hell. Uh, <laughs> you still going there? Yeah, but I will just edit it out. <laughs> yeah. Um, no. Yeah. Let's see. Uh, now we got interrupted for a moment by a curator coming by, but that's part of the yeah, yeah, the hustle and bustle here, right? Yeah. Yeah. So we are we are now on the third floor, and Actually, so we are just behind. That's a really good place to go because usually I always have people help me describe the spaces we're in so the audience can like visually try to imagine where we are. So, uh, so I describe the place. Yes, describe the room we're so in. So we are on Frederick in Cato side, uh, in Tennis Palazzi. And so now we are somehow in the backstage. <laughs> so we are on the third floor, so uh, behind us we have the office of the Helsinki Biennale. Then there's the kitchen where also, and behind this uh, big elevator, which is like the elevator for when we bring all the artworks. It's a big it's one. Very big door. Yeah, it's like four by four meter large amount. Because sometimes you bring really large sculptures yeah. or paintings. Yeah, 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 exactly. Well, you will see that Diana Policarpo has been bought from there, mm -hmm. like lots of big pieces of polystyrene. And behind there is the conservation, where you have Barbara, the conservator. Um, and there's another, like this is the painting conservator mostly, and you have paper conservator on the second floor also. And here on that door you have a photographic space. 
because of course you need to photograph the collection, you need to photograph the exhibition space. Oh, for documenting yeah. what is happening here. Yeah. Well, this is one photographer. Hi. Okay, and so we are in this kind of like a hallway space. Yeah, yeah. So, and there is like this hallway, and then there is exactly almost the same kind of space on the other side where you have the, the curator side and the kind of direction of like the director of the museum and like contability administration stuff. Okay. We are kind of separated, which is not super nice, I'd say. But I mean, we are standing here next to like two big, these like li yeah, this motorized lifts and stuff, and a lot of ladders and things. Yeah. So I, I don't know. Maybe it does make sense to have all of this in one place so yeah, that yeah. people know where it is. Yeah, yeah. Also because so the, this is the forklift and yeah. it goes to seven meters high. Uh -huh. And because you're gonna see in the room, there is twelve meters high. So sometimes you hang things yeah. from the ceiling or. Well, we have to access the lighting bars. Ah, yeah. To put all the lights and stuff. And the leg one, uh, we didn't have it before, but we have it since Katarina Gross's exhibition, mm -hmm. where we had to hang stuff from like 12 meters high. And you go into this kind of cabin, which is here. Yeah. Here, and then there's this arm that brings you up there. And I was the one actually doing it, which is quite fun, because that's actually quite also interesting that in France, like you need a permit for doing this, you need to have like some training and stuff. My training has been literally one of the technicians saying like, okay, so I show you how to go there. So you do this, 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 this button doing that, this button doing this. Are you okay? Yeah, okay, so now you can go. <laughs> so I yeah. was like, uh, we've been hanging all of stuff, like really high ceiling. And I think for the next exhibition, exhibition after this BNL exhibition, there will be again some work which will go quite high. So yeah, we need this kind of machine. And it's a machine that can be uh, by uh, fuel or electric. And we mm -hmm. use only electric because, of course, fuel is not allowed here. It makes like smoke, you know, it's like a car almost. Yeah, yeah, so, and you need to keep the white walls clean. Yeah, exactly. And then see, but what well, you can see, we have this kind of cool oh, tires. Yeah, so, okay, so you it. know, like how in the kindergarten or something that the parents will have to put on these little, like, exactly. plastic socks on top of their yeah. shoes. Yeah. So this. So the leg lift, one is kind of... Uh, the lift is wearing <laughs> like uh, round uh, socks on its wheels. <laughs> exactly. It's kind of, and we change it regularly because of course in some point they start to get dirty and then they start to make marks. So then we have to put some new marks. Yeah. Fresh, fresh sleeves for the tires. Yeah, this yeah. is a white cube gallery, right? You know, cubes, so yeah, well, the, so the roof is kind of uh, arched, you know, like it's an arc. Um, but like the, the style of the gallery yeah, is, is yeah, like so big, white, anonymous yeah. walls yeah. where you can like hang things yeah. and it can uh, look the same in many galleries, yeah, more yeah. or less. Yeah, with the difference that here uh, we constantly like build walls, take down some, yeah. painting them, painting them. So. That they are not like literally white cube, but the, it's the yeah the idea of the white cube is there. That's this literally this like yeah. primary basis of the, of the white cube. So yeah. And so, how often is it cleaned? It needs to stay super clean and it's big. And I mean the space. Yeah. It it gets always dirty when we uh, take down the exhibition. So ah yeah. Uh, so usually when the exhibition when the when we take down the the exhibition we have this. You can't go in if you don't have any safety shoes uh, because you know we take off some nails and stuff. So if you just pass by, then if it can go through your shoe, and then yeah. and then yeah, you can get. A, it happened once, I think, a long time ago. So 
for you? No, 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 not for me. It was fine. It was fine. Just like that's this kind of accident can occur. Yeah, yeah, like, of course. Uh, but it's the same when when working as an artist, right? Uh, yeah, it's yeah, yeah. like all of this heavy lifting. Yeah, can yeah, be. exactly. So yeah, we always have this uh, this dirt, uh, which is not so fun because when you walk in the dirt, also sometimes it's a bit like squattering at the end of the day. You spend most of the time like standing and then also we often you know, have to go to the wood workshop if you need to build up some podium pedestals walls we have a carpenter that comes to make the big big walls but most of the rest of the stuff are done by the technicians in the museum you don't recycle a lot of the same things we try yeah so that's that's one of the thing like that's one of the big things like, when you're a technician it's quite at least for me because I'm at least I'm trying to be as much as ecological conscious as possible and sometimes I'm really frustrated because there's a lot of stuff we we can't reuse mm. uh, sometimes because there's so many nails in it which are stuck in it so we try like we can we keep usually the kertoku this long bar wooden bar that can be used as structures. Okay. Yeah, well, the Finnish speaking people will understand kertoku but, <laughs> uh, <laughs> but it's kind of like a bit like Button, you know, that you put so wait, you had to learn the same word language in three different languages. Like you have to know <laughs> the word for a tool, and you you know it from yeah. in French, and then you had to learn it in English, and then you learned it in Finnish. Yeah, bit half and half. I don't actually. I don't think I know all of the stuff in French anymore. <laughs> I know. I don't think I like here. I've been using so many big tools and big gears and big machines that I never use in France, for instance. So yeah. I don't know the word in. French. I always try sometimes. There is some French technicians, and then when we talk to each other, we're like, Fuh -fuh. and so we use the word in Finnish or in English because we don't remember. I mean, so. I have the same now. I've been studying here in the art academy for five years, which means I have been verbalizing my own work and talking about it in English for five years, mainly all of the grant applications I've been writing for most of the time. The last two years have been in English, so. When I, I have in between like written an application in Danish, for instance, for a grant or something, and I'm coming short with the terms for things or the words, the normal phrases I use to like explain what I do, because it's so rare that I do it in this like academic Danish. Yeah. So you feel like you're making repetition because you like you're lacking your vocabulary suddenly and yeah, and also just like I don't know, it's like you know a lot of this lingo, what sounds like very fancy or whatever but it's the same with tools or stuff right like you need to know all these words that are very specific for the field because then other people who work in the field they know what you're saying yeah. or yeah, yeah. yeah but then across languages it can definitely be a little bit funky yeah yeah, yeah it's definitely what we have we use english as a technician okay is it a very international crew Yes and no. I mean, uh, yes, you know that. Also, we have. Um, I have to, to say their name. So there is three full-time technicians here. There is Adam Monaghan, uh, Nils Heiki Uvalinen, and Kalle Jokinen. Jokinen. And so Kalle is the avid technician. So he's taking care of almost all the video installation work and all the sound work and stuff. And uh, yeah. And then uh, Adam is um, used to be a technician in the VNA in London. He used to be a technician in a, in, a, in a museum in London, and yeah, so we speak in English uh, with him and with the rest. Sometimes my Finnish is not good enough to speak properly uh, as a, with other technicians, 
But yeah, there is some French technicians that come to CRA. We have Swedish also uh, and English, obviously. But we don't have, I, I don't think we have any other uh, from other places. But yeah, but we use English as a language. But anyway, so most of the stuff now I know it in English. And sometimes you forget the name, I don't care why. The thing that here, or you're just pointing it and then you get it. So, <laughs> that's, that's yeah, and so what, what is the exhibition we're going to look at now? Because like we were standing here to talk because it was a little bit more quiet and because I brought coffee in and you're not supposed to bring that into the actual gallery space. So we, we decided to start in this back space, which I think makes sense, you know, next to the uh, garbage sorting and the vacuum cleaner and all of this. It's like, uh, this is the worker space. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but we're going to go and actually look at an exhibition that you helped install, right? Yeah, so that's part of the Helsinki Biennale 2023. So uh, the Biennale is mainly in Vallesari, in the islands, but there is also these four artists here on the south and north gallery. So mm -hmm. there's these two galleries. Um, in the south gallery, there's Diana Policarpo, which is kind of massive uh, rock polystyrene artwork with a sound, also black sound. So. Mm -hmm. And then on the other side, you have uh, Tabita Rezer, Rita Razavi, and Tula, Tula Marinen, uh, which are also uh, part of it. So everything is part of the Binance 2023. So I've been helping. So I've been installed exactly the Polycarpo because it was so massive and it was a work which was in Venice Biennale originally. So we had an Italian crew who came specially to install it. Is that common that big artists bring their own crews? Yeah, depending on the budget. Uh, yeah, sure. For instance, on the Biennale 2021 uh, for Grosse, uh, there was just a few assistants who came and then we've been uh, assisting Katarina to paint, for instance. Okay because she was just asking people who have experience with painting. And I, I ended up helping, even though I'd never painted in my life, but I ended up helping because one of the technicians got some allergic reaction to one of the paint, and then we oh, had to shit. replace and then, yeah. Oh, but yeah. but uh, yeah, also because this work is quite specific, it was also in terms of time scale, it was really short time. So we had to be sure that everything will be done on time because mm -hmm. we had to also build up on the other side. So and it was easier. I have to say they, they work super nicely, super efficient, super fast. And I think in four or five days it was done. Yeah, I was about to ask like how long does it take to install an exhibition like this? Uh, so wait, uh, I think uh, well you have to count the installation. So sometimes depending on the work, it takes like two, three, or one month to install everything. To to take it down. Yeah, and then after you have to calculate maybe. Again, depending on the show, but one month, approx. So, so what, here, one gallery space will be closed for two months yeah. in between? Yeah. So there are many rooms and then they take turn on where the exhibition yeah. is happening. So the whole gallery yeah. is not active at the same time. Yeah, so sometimes you can also come and pay your ticket and then have access only to the uh, second floor exhibition, for instance. Yeah, I think my parents came here one time and they went to Amos Rex and then like only one room was open and they were like, yeah, yeah we still had to pay full price. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's maybe not so nice. <laughs> but yeah, and, I mean, well, I'm not ruling on this kind of thing. So no, know, no, but, yeah. whatever. But it's but, interesting, I think, for the listeners to understand yeah, yeah. the ecology of, of large <laughs> exhibition spaces like this. 
And also one thing to mention is that I don't know, I guess some, I noticed that some people don't know, but there is one part of Ham which is free of entrance, like free. Yeah. The Ham Gallery and the Ham Mix are free. So yeah. you can go there without paying, you know, you can just say like I'm going to Ham Mix and Ham Gallery. And yeah. So episode I think episode number five it was in this podcast with Harina Reiner was in this gallery and also I will be interviewing Laura Dalberg down there later this month. I, I assume that's in the same space. Yeah yeah. Yeah. So yeah, if you're interested in, in more ham, it is featured. And also for the Helsinki Biennale, like you say, most of it is in Valisari Island. Yeah. And I will be doing one episode there a little bit later this month. Um, with two people from your study program, yeah. I guess. Sian and Miriam. Yeah. yeah. Um, and you are all studying uh, curation in Alto University, right? Yes, yes. Exactly. I don't. I don't know if there's so many people actually studying curating and art technicians. No, but there are quite a lot of crossovers in general, right? Yeah. So a lot of artists are technicians, and yeah. a lot of artists become curators yeah. or study curation. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I, that's one of the things. Also, like I really believe that if you want to become a curator, that's my personal opinion. But if you want to become a curator, I think you need to work as a technician. I think and it's very beneficial at yeah, least. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I think, and not only for one show, but at least for a long period of time in a big institution, at least to understand... The art world. Yeah, but also like all the little details that sometimes matters a lot. Because when you're a technician, you know you're at the end of the chain. So yeah. when there is a mistake that is done on the curation side, you know, it's not visible, you don't see it. But when you come here as a technician, you have the actual mistake in front of you and you have to solve the problem. So when you're a technician, you have to be mainly problem-solving person, and that's most of the problem. Like most of the most of the case, we always end up like, okay, there's a problem, we have to fix that shit. Yeah, because okay, so when someone like <laughs> the the whole like a uh, structure of an artwork being installed is like, you have an artist who made the work, usually not for this wall or this exactly. space. Usually they made it in their workspace, maybe in a different country. They never knew it was going to be installed here. Yeah. Then later, a curator decides it will be part of this exhibition. Mm -hmm. And so the curator and the artist, they have to decide how to include this work in the space. And they have to agree on that. And so they discuss, should it be there or there? And what about the other works? And this would be better. And the artist has some strong opinions. The curator exactly. has some strong opinions. Hopefully, they can agree. And then there's you, yeah. who has to kind of just make it work yeah and so do you get a say do you ever yeah. get to say that's impossible we yeah. have to do it a different way yeah when i was working as full-time job i've been taking a few exhibition and luckily yeah that's the thing like it depends i think not not all the institutions have give this kind of power to, to technicians luckily here like they are heard which is quite nice but sometimes, you know, like you can have a meeting with the artist, with the curator, and they're like, no, it has to be this way. Or like, yeah, I know, but it is not possible. Like, mm -hmm. like uh, I don't know, like you want to have a walk which is 20 meters high. Our ceiling is 12 meters. We, yeah. you, but you want to like break the ceiling. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah and sometimes, sometimes there is this kind of like lack of understanding and. I guess also based on lots of cliche of people thinking, oh, yeah, they just don't want to work, or they just don't want to do this, or they, it's just because they want to make it the easiest possible, which is some, somehow also true. We don't want to, 
<laughs> you know, when you have like a five-tone work coming in, then you you have to think about how to manipulate and to put it in there. Yeah, being easily. a technician is a pragmatic job because you have to <laughs> totally. like uh, yeah. meet the deadlines and you have to work with, like you say, practicalities yeah. and yeah. technical budgets and yeah. also just physics. Yeah, you yeah. know, like there is yeah, uh, yeah. Gravi gravitational <laughs> rules yeah, yeah. and things that if you have enough money, yeah, sure, yeah. you might be able to solve the yeah. impossible. But yeah, that's why it's nice to work in institution and also in smaller places where there's no budget. Luckily in Ham, there is a budget. I mean, at least for now, because now, of course, you know, it depends on the city and how much budget they would give. Now Ham is a foundation. It's not part of Helsinki City entirely nowadays. But we won't go into this topic. It's a long topic. But yeah, so, and sometimes in small gallery you have a really small budget and you have to make it nicely with absolutely no fucking budget, no fucking money or anything. Here at least we have budget which allow us to, to, to make it nice and to, you know, to solve the problem nicely and not, not with too much like, let's say, uh, not being too tired and not hurting our back too much. Yeah, so. yeah, sure. But actually I just, um, there was an episode recently, I guess episode number 27, um, which uh, was an interview with Fiola Hodja in Studio Pasila about like uh, Helsinki City Theatre history. And in the original performance, which is an audio walk, there were interviews with some of the current uh, like workers behind the stage from, from Helsinki City Theatre. So like stage managers and technicians and, and stuff like this. And one technician sat there, he had worked for many years in the theater, doing all sorts of different technician jobs and learning a lot there. And he said, yeah, actually, I mean, these bigger stages are nice because they have a budget to realize big visions. But in a way, the tiny places with no budget, you have to be more creative because you have to yeah. come up with your own solutions. And in a way, it's more fun and more creative. Is that because as a technician, you get to also become part of like the... Right, if you agree you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, of course, it also depends on who has the idea and how much they want to push it. Because you can be creative, but if you realize that, okay, I can do this, is it okay? No, 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 it has to be perfectly this way, like I have it in my head. Yeah, like, how yeah, do you okay, think the artists are to work with? Like, because this is a pretty big gallery. The, a lot of the artists you have here, they are working on a pretty high level of their yeah. career. Yeah. So they're used to getting what they want, or they are very flexible, or... I think somewhere just a question of ego. Yeah, yeah. it's oh, yeah. it's not generalized. Yeah. And luckily, as a technician, you don't have to deal with the ego. That's the curator's job. <laughs> Which is something maybe... I'm studying to, to, to do that shit, to deal with the ego. I think some of artists would be uh, acting really nicely to you. Some of them won't even talk to you. And... Yeah, that's, that's really like, and I have to say on different level, and I have to say like, since you're in Kuwait ID, and I know that some Kuwait ID people will listen, always acknowledge the technician and be nice with them, because sometimes, you know, they have some other things in their mind, and they have also some other schedule in their mind, and sometimes they work on some other stuff. So always super be nice. And I say this because I think it's important when you're studying art, to understand that technica technicalities and technicians, they are fully part of your work because you will need one day or another someone to help you to hang your stuff. Because you have to admit sometimes that your skills are not going to be fully meeting on, on, your, on your artwork and you will need someone who has an expertise on things like this. And sometimes, sometimes yeah, you, you can have this kind of despicable behavior and sometimes it's really difficult. And also like, I mean, when you're a technician also, of course, it's also your own cliché that, that are in action and you 
it's always difficult, you know, like, okay, I'm hanging the work on someone else. And it's frustrating because you also want to hang your own work and you want to show your stuff. So it's always this kind of thing. So you have to also deal with your own ego, which is luckily, I think, for most technicians, dealt quite well, quite nicely. But sometimes, yeah, some artists are like way too high in their head. And we had some artists from the Hungary, like we, we, everybody was just like, I don't want to, no, no, I'm not going there. I don't want to talk to this person because yeah. they just don't want to talk to you. They just like, yeah. I mean, it's the same in so many industries. I worked a lot with live music in like uh, concert venues and stuff. And so many of these things we are saying could be said exactly about that. You know, like stars who come with insane demands, who do not uh, bother to talk to anyone working on the floor. Um, and uh, people with like insane ideas of what is possible in the stage who brings like a backdrop that is double the size of the wall or yeah, yeah. Um, and also like people who have the money usually bring their own technicians on tour so yeah. I think so many of these things they are like directly transferable between different fields a lot of the like curation is a lot like music booking in a way you might not like organize the space but you still put together a program and curate an evening for someone yeah so yeah but i think it's interesting now we are moving into you talking about like hanging someone else's work versus your own so how does it feel like if you don't like the work that you are hanging <laughs> i mean because liking the artist or not whatever you have to work with them for a short while but well, you can uh, become you can become quite cynical sometimes but of course that depends, like uh, my personal uh, idea of art for me, I like to have something political or engage. So I have more difficulty to deal with like art for art sake, for instance. You know, like, like if it's just pure aesthetical stuff and there is no I don't know, idea in the back of like, who want to spread a message. Sometimes I'd be like, okay, well, you doing? wanted to have a purpose in the world. Yeah, somehow, I don't know. And also like, uh, I believe, I truly believe that culture is one of the last thing that we can hold as like a, I don't know, bring up some values of respect to the rights and all those kind of things, you know? So, I don't know, for me, I, I like to have this kind of engaged art, so of course, but I have an ethic, I'm working here as a technician, and whatever artwork it is, I of course respect everything and I handle everything really well, and otherwise I wouldn't work anymore. I mean, somehow you have to deal with all the artwork. I don't, know, I don't know where I'm going here, but I think like, just like, uh, I don't know. Um, I think sometimes you become cynical because you're like, okay, what is this shit? I don't care. But it's just, I mean, so do everybody. Like, someone would say, we would say the same to my work. Well, it's just shit, and, and that's everybody's opinion, and that's fine. <laughs> yeah, but the technician is still part of like making the work work in the space, right? Like, you are part yeah, of yeah. making it. <laughs> look good and if you are like super motivated to find the solutions that make everyone happy then that's why as an artist you have to be really nice with the people working with you because that's exactly the thing sometimes you can have like a really nice interesting work but artists piece of shit like really like despicable person <laughs> and you, you don't want to make effort you know you don't want like 
oh, it's four o'clock. Oh, sorry, it's end of the day. Bye. You know, but if it's a nice afternoon, okay, yeah, it's it's fine. I can stay five more minutes. Then you find ten. that like a soul-driven motivation for yeah. the sake of the art that they <laughs> talk about when they don't want to give you a raise. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but I think sometimes when when you have someone, I think it's for everywhere. Like when you have someone which is not really nice to you, you don't want to make lots definitely. Of oh my God, really, so, I have worked enough service jobs in my life. I am so nice, even to the phone salesman who called yeah, yeah. me. Like I am so nice to everyone because you know what? No matter what job they had, I had that job or an even shittier one. Yeah, I have yeah, done so, all of these positions. And it can always like you. You don't know what happens in your life, and one day you will maybe lose something, lose someone, and you will mentally not be there, and then you will lose your job, and you will end up finding some shitty job. And then you remember, like, okay. And in any case, so, someone has to be 16 and clean up your coffee cup, you know? It's like... Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, yeah. Anyway, lots yeah. of respect for everybody. <laughs> yeah, please just yeah. be nice <laughs> to people. Yeah, and, and also, like, well, last thing, be on time. <laughs> be on time? Yeah. Oh, There's, are you saying that to me? I was no, no, 15 no, no, minutes no, no, no. late. <laughs> No, because that's the <laughs> academical quarter. That's okay. Yeah. The academic quarter. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm still in school and you're still in school. So we're like yeah, within the... No. In French, we call it the, the 15 minutes de politesse. You know, like it's like, like it's, it's absolutely fine. No, no, I'm not talking about, I'm talking about people showing up like two, three, four hours later, yeah. you know, because they have their own schedule and stuff. Oh, yeah. Hi. Hi. We're doing a podcast interview. Oh. <laughs> but do you... Should we maybe go and yeah. look at the works? Yeah. yeah, we will try to talk about the works that you installed along the way and we will see how the sound level is in there if it's yeah. too noisy. And then I guess we might end somewhere more quiet again so we can wrap up or yeah, something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, let's like walk slow or not talk so much when we walk because the wind and the noise... It... Okay. Yeah. So I don't know if this is really loud, but what you hear now is the work of Bita Razavi. And it's photographs that are moving on this uh, yeah. like production belt almost. Yeah, so it's uh, we've been installing this actually. Um, okay, Yeah. so we can maybe go closer. Yeah, you know how long the break is. It really depends, so I can show you why. Yeah. Because do you have a... Uh, shit, how do you call it? Uh, this like a little walking ramp yeah a ramp yeah yeah and so there is a sensor on the top of the machine and when you come closer the machine detects you and then it starts going on so only when people go physically to engage and be close exactly. to the work it will present itself fully exactly so but the whole thing there is like a whole social class uh, problematic on this work which is kind of a shame because I don't think it's told so much on the text but so on the bottom, when you're on the floor ground, like mm -hmm. uh, the the images that are running, they are a picture of Dutch colonies in the I think Indonesia, if mm -hmm. I'm not wrong. That sounds about right. Yeah, and on the top you have another rolling, and it's like drawings of flowers, uh, exotic flowers. So these flowers have been drawn by Estonian artists in the beginning of the 20th century, I think something like 1902, 1903. It's an Estonian woman who moved to Indonesia, which was at least at that time a colony, Dutch colony, I think. And because she was a white, uh, you know, Western person, she accessed some kind of privilege, and she had like a slave, or she had like a servants, 
which allowed her to have free time and to become a to drawer. To paint flowers, Ex yeah. yeah. Okay. So the point of this work is that uh, if you take the ramp, you take the path of the privilege, uh. which makes it accessible and makes it run through. And you can have a view over the, the plants. Okay. But if you stay on the bottom, you see only the Dutch uh, colonies or the picture of the... It's, I think, forest exploitation and some other stuff. And then you can only see on the, the same whole level thing if someone privileged go to activate the yeah, work. Exactly. Oh, that's very interesting because yeah. you can't be in both places at the same time. Yeah, exactly. Unless you have a friend <laughs> or someone, I don't know which would be privileged. Yeah, sure. you are. Is this described or is it something the audience have to like, uh, like lim subliminally find out themselves? I'm not, I'm not sure. I don't think it's actually told in the. Um, well, it may be. I don't remember what's the text written, uh, what's 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 told, but yeah, but the work is. Uh, it's quite difficult to actually... Yeah, okay, uh, so the work is kind of like... It looks like a spider, but made from yeah. like an old printing press, like this old big roll. And yeah. then like the legs function as this uh, conveyor belt from a factory or something. But yeah. what it's conveying is black and white photographs. It's like mostly metallic and like lots of rust. There is some part of tractors. There's kind of rib cage. You see it's like some old part of the old tractor. Mm -hmm. And under this, there is the, all the mechanical engine, and uh, and there is all the sensor thing. And the sensor is on the top, uh, where you have see the wheel, which is normally originally used manually to print. So did this work come assembled already, or did it come no, in pieces? It was in total pieces. And did you have to weld it together, or yeah. could you just oh. like? No, we, we even the belt, we had to put some new uh, rolls uh, in between for all of them because so the work is, was in Venice Biennale, but there was a huge, big conflict between the artist and the Estonian pavilion, which was exhibited in, because in, in Venice there was no pictures of the colonies, it was just white. And, and the, the work doesn't work. Yeah, I'm not going to go into this because I know there has been like, uh, it was a big, big conflict and the okay. artist has been claiming as a censor work. Yeah. But if you want to check, you can uh, artist so Bita Razavi as a. We will link to all the artists yeah. exhibited here. Voilà. So the, there yeah. is on the on their website. She explained a mm -hmm. version of the thing. Of course, the Sin Pavilion has a, their own version, but well, but of course, yeah, it's losing the point if you don't have the, the pictures. So, but anyway, so we had to. Everything came from Venice. The ramp also we had to build it up totally. Okay, so the ramp was built in Venice. Yeah, and, and it was not originally to be dismantled. It was supposed to be trashed, but then they brought it here. Okay. So we had to rebuild everything, which was kind of a hell of a work. But uh, <coughs> yeah, and then yeah, and I think the the work, I mean, it's it's really nice, but of course it's Super always nice work. it's always really difficult to to process for me like uh, so that's one thing I want to talk about is that yeah. how you perceive as a technician the space because for like almost three weeks we've been on the heart of this work and we've been like touching it uh, because of course metallic work so you can touch with your bare hands it's okay you know because also it's fine and this is old repurposed rusty metal it's yeah, not exactly. so fragile it's not fragile uh, of course we take lots of care of it when you manipulate it but, but it's we've not been the same as like big prints or photographs or something exactly. where you need to wear yeah, gloves we, yeah, all the time exactly exactly no no it's it's quite rare usually we don't use I mean we use gloves for everything but I mean, for this, when when it arrives as a metallic piece, pieces, we had to you know assemble it in some time. You know, you don't take or you take like a, maybe like a, these working gloves yeah, just yeah, to yeah, not yeah, sure. hurt your hands. But it's really interesting because when the few days before the opening, so we installed this uh, long um, 
fence around it that yeah, people can't this approach? Little railing so that like um, adults can see that you're not supposed to go there, and yeah. children like exactly because will apparently have to yeah, climb. in in Venice apparently a kid uh, put his finger in the engine and that was an accident apparently. Oh, so that's why the yeah, yeah. So and in Ham we are really. <laughs> Like we had a really nice um, head of conservator, which is really picky on all the safety rules, and which is quite nice because also protecting protecting us as a technicians is really nice. Yeah. To feel protected also. Especially when you go like 12 meters up the ceiling. And well, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. So it's interesting because once we put this fence, suddenly we I was thinking like, okay, I can't access there, and if I jump over, I feel something is going to happen, you know, because now even we when working with it. Yeah, exactly. That's so, so it's really interesting how I've been during three weeks. You know, you also here, you, you know, you are in the exhibition space. It's quite silent. People are really like it's kind of like a secularized space. Yeah, yeah. Museums but, are like this. Yeah, and it's then, like a church. Exactly. And when you are a technician, you know, we make s noise. We usually yeah, have the radio loud. on. We there's lots of sound of drilling and stuff like this, and then. Yeah, it's always so interesting. The gallery lights are on and yeah, the yeah, ceiling exactly. lights are off. Exactly, it makes it like so sacralized as an mm. object. It becomes super like weird to handle it. And then because you behave in the space and you start to know really well the space, so every square uh, <laughs> is important. Like, you know every square, you know, like I could even tell you like, oh, this, this stain, I remember this stain, I made this stain when I was doing this and that and stuff. And so it's always really interesting when now we are here and I feel this this work is like untouchable and it's yeah, even if we, this railing we're talking about is literally like 50 centimeters tall or something like yeah, it's yeah, half yeah, a meter yeah. is nothing exactly and you can be sure that if i jump over even if the guard that is there knows me he will of course tell me like what what are you because doing no, now no, no, it's no, open no, no. and also yeah, yeah. the thing is in galleries if one person does it everyone it's like sheep mentality yeah you so have to do it also yeah it, so even works where you're allowed to touch in many museums because people don't know because yeah. normally you're not allowed yeah. so some works if it's not written as a direction that you can engage physically people will not do it i i did it in um the uh, jewish museum in uh, berlin once uh, which is a wonderful building. If you've never gone architecturally, it's amazing. But there are also some actual like uh, commissioned artworks in the building. There's this one called um, Memory Void, I think, and it's this like it's a room where basically there's this raised uh, platform or stage almost as a part of the room with all these like metal faces on it <laughs> like yeah, yeah. yeah like just piles and piles and i knew that you were allowed to walk on there because uh an art teacher had told me in school yeah, yeah. so i just like everyone was standing by the edge of this and like photographing and i just like jumped on there and like walked all around and everyone was looking at me with like huge eyes like yeah, yeah, yeah but the rest of the day every time i passed this room people were walking because i had like because started someone yeah, yeah. i started uh, yeah. the the domino effect and yeah. then later one technician or guard from the gallery came and asked me like, hey, you were walking on the work. And I was like, oh shit, was I not supposed to? And he was like, no, no. It's okay. It's like, how did you know? Uh, because yeah. it's not written. Yeah. So it's like, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah it's always really interesting. Yeah. I think, I think here we are always like, well, we try to put, uh, that's also one of the job of technician usually is to talk about uh, some safety issue. Because mm. that's something maybe curator might not be aware. Or forget, or... Or forget, yeah, yeah, yeah. Or, yeah, yeah. And uh, so it's always like, 
we need yeah. a railing or like yeah. uh, we insisted on the railing the artist didn't want any railing ah yeah so but you can see so there is a, the this little fence and we have this emergency stop ah there if is a button some, here on the yeah, wall if someone come we have to just punch this and okay. it stops automatically it's shut down and it's like it's not part of the work it's discreet it's on the other wall so only yeah. people who know yeah for me i would pass this and i would be Yeah. What does this shut down? <laughs> <laughs> and I would. Be <laughs> yeah, it doesn't there's say. No, it's no literally wall. just a red button on the yeah, wall, no, and I, I am a curious one, so I would be like, I wonder how much of the gallery yeah, no. shuts down if I push this one, <laughs> or is, if fireworks a, come somewhere. Ah, uh, yeah, no, but there is the gal, so I, I think yeah, I'm okay. tell you <laughs> nicely. Yeah. <laughs> but it's a super nice work and I do understand from an artistic point of view I don't like fences I don't like railings yeah. I don't like like putting the work in a cage especially since this one is kind of like an insect it looks like a spider so putting it yeah. in a cage is <clears throat> even weirder yeah 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 of course that's but that's the paradox we have to deal with in a museum of course as, a, as an artist or as a curator I will be of course thinking like I don't want any fence but as a technician I'm thinking about the safety of everybody. Yeah, yeah. And, and you never know, you know, you have a, a three years old kid running and who, who just, uh, you know, you, you're watching something and your kid runs through and you don't have time. To, you know, a kid. I mean, the good thing is in Finland, generally, like no one touches anything. It, yeah, yeah, like yeah. no one speaks. Yeah. Uh, it's super silent, yeah. super respectful. In galleries, like even in the art school, I have made installation works sometimes that were meant for people to to like co-create like mm -hmm. relational aesthetics where people you know typewriters and stuff where you could go and like create the work people don't even dare to enter the room yeah. unless there's a sign they are so used to like you can't touch in the yeah, gallery this is this big uh, sacralized uh, mm -hmm. mentality which I think should be a bit changed I mean like I mean I think art again for me it should be people should be able to engage with And like, but it has its up, like ups and downs. So like, it's annoying to have to put a sign, please engage with my installation. I don't like oh, that yeah. so much. I yeah. want people to be curious. But yeah. at the same time, I have had glassworks exhibited like in the middle of the floor in gallery spaces where we've had parties all around it, and nothing happened yeah, yeah, because people here are so <coughs> respectful. They can have a party next to a glass yeah, sculpture yeah, without yeah. knocking it over. Yeah, it's like when they are demonstrating, they are just. Uh, Nicely avoiding the oh, there is space to walk. <laughs> that yeah. Not perturbate anybody, no, which is the point of demonstration, by the way. <laughs> you should perturbate the, the traffic. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, but so, yeah, this is, that's one of the artwork we've been building and with so the how technicians. Many, and how many people worked on this one, installing uh, it? I think total were like at least four, four of us. Okay. And uh, was there a recipe for it? So it came in different boxes, and then was it like an IKEA cabinet where there was this like. Uh, drawing and instruction so on how to put it together normally yes but for that one there was not so much i mean the people who've been installing gave us like a long 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 folder of like all the little things that was wrong or that was not working that you please fix this yeah exactly so it was a bit <laughs> annoying uh but luckily because i was just a theory worker so like somehow like i was not the technician in chief so adam mm. that you saw was the technician in chief of this so one. he so had the headache he has to yeah he has to deal with it but of course we're helping him of course we're not like that's but yeah so me and dan another uh, technician we've been selling mostly the roles and then after we i think we like we were like four technicians plus one conservator because of course the conservator is here to be sure that everything is respected in terms of aesthetic also that nothing is 
um, yeah, that, that the work is exactly as it's supposed to be, you know, and also being sure that it's also maintained, that, uh, you know, taking care of the humidity level, uh, which you can find there, that, like everything is well done. Because if it was to be super humid in here, the uh, rust might become more rusty during a month or yeah. like little details. <laughs> I, I don't know. I think for this one, I think it's pretty much okay. It depends, like sometimes, well, here under the, behind us, we have these uh, cyanotaps. From Hula uh, Marinen, and uh, I think those ones from like that paper. So of course, if it's too dry or if it's too wet, they might react. So they yeah, might bend yeah, or something. Yeah. So of course, we have this humidity level that we keep all the time. And also, cyanotypes will react with uh, daylight potentially, yeah, yeah. and so you need to control that. Yeah, exactly. So this is the other work I've been installing also, actually. Yeah, let's move a little bit because this is super loud. Yeah, so we can go on the other side of the wall, of the staircase. Yeah. So how long did it take to install the, the metal spider we just talked about? I'm just calling it a spider. I know yeah, it's not. It's but called it Krat number three, I think. Okay. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, I don't know exactly. I think maybe two or three weeks. Okay. And at the same time you were working on this other piece or yeah. so you are like just yeah, it depends sometimes like fluctuating yeah, in the exactly. room. Yeah, exactly. Well, usually when we arrive in the morning, the technician chief is like splitting the the group, you know, like okay, you and Dan are you okay to deal with this work mm -hmm. and uh, me and uh, you how are we we're going to go on this one and extra extra. So, so is it some days that you come and you are like, I'm feeling clumsy today, I shouldn't handle the big glass pieces? <laughs> well, when you're a technician, you shouldn't feel <laughs> like... Uh, <laughs> you should just not be clumsy. No, no, <laughs> I'm please don't. I'm quite clumsy. And then at one point I got a job in a glass and ceramics art shop and my parents were like, what are you thinking? But I didn't break uh -huh. that many pieces. But if you ask my partner, uh, she will say that I'm clumsy, so... I never know. I, I was not meant to be a technician. I'm, I'm not a handy person at the beginning. Are you trained within like crafts or...? No. No, no, no. no. Well, I started as a... I was doing internship in a gallery in Paris. Mm -hmm. And it was a gallery which was starting called Polka Gallery. They have a magazine also, Polka Magazine. And uh, they, it was at the beginning, so they were also... They needed some uh, strong man. Was it a small or a big space? It was a, oh, let's say, half, I don't know, average space. I don't know. It Medium was a, space. It was not a small gallery. No, say. okay. Yeah. They had a pretty big gallery and they were exhibiting quite big for they the were offers. Like, you look like a guy who can fix stuff. Yeah, I think <laughs> it was, I, I mean, I'm sorry to say that, but it's, it's like, oh, you're a girl, you can write the text and you're a guy, please, can you help me to lift this yeah, shit? Yeah, yeah. So one thing to another, I, I was naive and 20 years old and then I uh, was like saying yes to all the jobs and then I ended up by being the state manager of the whole gallery and then I got hired at that and I literally learned by doing. Yeah which in a lot of these jobs that is honestly the best way because yeah. I mean of course there are educations for doing a lot of things and yeah. they can be good and you learn a lot you also learn a lot just by like someone teaching you yeah, yeah. in the work while you're doing it yeah and I think I think you, st you still need like maybe some problem solving mentality but I think this is also something you can acquire I mean something you can learn always by doing but yeah so so this other work now yeah it's Tula Nahinen so uh, she's been like um, what do you call it Mudlark I think these people were like uh, yeah, we move a little bit because it's wonderful soundscape, but it's quite loud. 
um, is these people who are on the Thames River in London, who are sometimes, you know, when the tide is low, mm -hmm. you can uh, go on the side and then look for uh, objects. Ah, yeah, people who fish for like uh, trash in the in the rivers. Yeah, yeah, yeah true. So she's With been in mudlark. With magnets and stuff, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. She's been in mudlark and then uh, she had a permit because you need a permit for doing this. Mm -hmm. And then she's... Um, so you have a different level of cyanotypes which are representing the level of the tides of Thames. And every day each... Um, so you have like, I think, 26 little shelves with lots of little objects on it. And each shelf represents a day. And each shelf. Stuff that she has fished out of the Thames yeah, River. Yeah. And it's little pieces of broken ceramics and like, let's yeah. go and check it. Yeah, there's them. actually one funny one where there's a credit card which is still valid. <laughs> oh, did she use it? No, no, no. I, I, well, I don't think I don't think she checked. When we were installing it, we noticed it with Dan there, here. Ah. This one is still until 2025, but I, I, I assume that this person, Anna, Anna So, Sao. Anna Sao, if you are still... If you're listening, if you're please still, cancel your car. If you are still missing your visa card from Revolut Bank, <laughs> it's here in Ham, in Helsinki. Exactly. Someone can maybe send it to you if you call them. Yeah, so, yeah, you have lots, lots of little objects like this. And yeah, then, so like, oh, there are teeth? Yeah, like can, from an animal. Yeah, actually, and then you can even find some stuff from some Roman uh, antiquity pad that the artist was telling us. Like I think some also kind of mosaics. Sometimes people actually do find all like um, ammunition and stuff and weapons yeah, yeah. and things. And apparently, also. it's really common in the Thames to find this kind of Roman stuff, artifact mm -hmm. and stuff. That's all. Yeah. Wow, and then so. she's been making stereotypes of this object for each day, so it's shelf represents the row of stereotypes also. Okay, and cyanotypes, for those who don't know, it's this like really old photography technique um, where you expose in sunlight and so all of the pictures are blue. Yeah, and you put the object on the, on the paper and then the light makes it blue because yeah, you, you put some kind of chemical on it. Treat the paper first with this like light reactive chemical and which is part of the exhibition. Exactly. She has these like podiums with all the chemicals Yeah, and they don't have a fence. No. So yeah, actually, yeah, yeah, and actually, there is no guard. Well, there is one guard actually here, but because yeah, we're afraid that it would be moved. He's that's, staring at us. Yeah, <laughs> uh, but that's that's really interesting because um, so this work has been bought by Ham to be part of the collection. Oh, so like the whole work. <coughs> yeah, the whole work of Tula. So it means that maybe in five, ten, twenty, forty, hundred years, we never know, you know, it will be maybe re-exhibited for another purpose of a uh, Or it will be lent to other galleries yeah, or something. Or, or it can end up in a, because Helsinki has a really nice, uh, uh, I would say like lay motive is to, uh, most of the work in the collection, they are exhibited in schools, public libraries, offices, Helsinki mm -hmm. offices. So if you are a student or in, in a school or primary school or something, you have always like some artwork which are belonging to Ham, because mm -hmm. Ham has a big um, department of public work. Okay. So most of the statue and uh, public uh, artwork you find in Helsinki, they belong to Ham. Yeah. So Havis Amanda, which is now like uh, uninstalled, it is in, I'm not gonna say where, but it is in the storage of uh, Ham Collection Center. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and so, but this is like a, 
It's not a big work in the sense that like all the prints are quite small. It's like A4 cyanotypes and all these shelves with little artifacts. They're very small things. She didn't install any bikes or any large no. findings, only tiny works. But, but it it's, of space. it's spread all over <laughs> yeah. two huge walls yeah. as this long snake of blueprints and then under these shelves like meticulously like hung about half a meter from the ground. Yeah. And also no fence. Do you think some no. pieces have gone missing? We don't know. The conservator has been taking pictures of each shelf and okay. then at the end of the show we will check that okay. nothing is missing. Because it would be really yeah. easy to pocket a little piece yeah. of pottery here. Yeah. But the the artist was really flexible with it, that is part of the thing. And also for like for a little anecdote, when we installed, so of course, you know, we have to be really careful because some of the um, works are of course like uh, glued to be sure they don't because they are ah. they but most of them are not so if their material is too light and they could like yeah there was a feather on one of oh, them oh yes and then we moved it and it was like oh. and then when we arrived in the space i think with the door the feather moved away so suddenly it's like oh my god uh, can i touch it with my gloves you have to call <gasps> the conservator is like oh, is it okay and which way was it turning yeah so and the conservator was like and i was like okay we understand that it might disappear at some point and so I think we removed it I'm not sure I think it's not in there because and because it belongs to the collection of Ham the conservator has the final choice uh, the final word on this the artist somehow can't really I mean can give the, our opinion but the conservator will decide what is to be done but of mm. course is to of course always stick on what the artist's once yeah course. again it's a conversation between a lot of people yeah. and all have their own objectives and like everyone has the same agenda and the same objective yeah. Yeah. to make the exhibition work but all have their own work premises and their own uh, like practical opinions yeah and like their own uh, perspective on what is most important yeah everybody i think everybody can say their opinion but of course like ooh. But there's different opinions on what is most important, right? Like, so yeah. for some people, it's the vision of the artist, and for other people, yeah, yeah. it's like making it physically work. But or that's the point of the museum. Everybody's pushing their own agenda. As a technician, you're pushing the mostly the safety issue mm -hmm. uh, for us and for the people and the audience. And of course, the for artists, the works, yeah, I yeah, guess, yeah, also. Uh, well, the conservator for the works. Ah, yeah. So if okay. I give all the uh, hierarchical lines to the curator, usually like decide of a show then they start to engage with the artists once it's agreed then there is this kind of big talk starts with the registrar also so which is here it's maria and anna they are like taking care of all the contract the loan transportation insurance mm -hmm. all these kind of things which is really important yeah because like so, what if the work had been damaged exactly when coming from venice exactly if there's something that's the registrar which is taking care of this mm -hmm. Uh, and then the technician also is involved also of saying like what is possible, what is not possible, what is like what is available for like also because we are living in Finland and in Finland you don't have all the sometimes when you need some really particular tiny bolt or special special thing you need to import it from Germany or even from France. with photographic chemicals and stuff there are things that you cannot exactly. order here that you have to order from abroad even if there are people working with it here it's exactly like, yeah exactly so it's a lot of other processes so. Yeah, and so what else? <coughs> I don't know what we're saying. So, yeah, so everyone are pushing their own agenda. Is there a yeah. mediator? Do you all sit around one round table mm. and shout, and someone is like, "You don't have the talking stick." No, but the curator is the mediator, I would say. Okay, yeah. And uh, but I think 
I mean, of course, like like in every company, in every job, there is of course sometimes some tension. But I think in Ham, that's why I like to work here. Is I think everybody is pretty much understanding opinions of each other, which is quite nice. So. Mm -hmm. And that's how you said also before, right? That you think, in your opinion, that if you want to work as a curator, you should spend time working as a technician. Yeah. I think a little bit the same with working as a producer in different ways, like yeah. within music or performance or theater or film or art, whatever. But these producer roles, that means you have to be the squid, like the octopus in the middle who talks to everyone. Yeah. And yeah. so, like you say, the curator is the mediator. The curator is the one who communicates between the artist's in wishes and the technician's possibilities, right? Yeah. And like the conservator saying like, oh, but remember this. Yeah. And so, yeah, if you are in one of these roles, then it really does make sense that you know what the other people are doing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So if you have spent time as a technician in It's like... Understanding what is their agenda, what is their preoccupations. Exactly. Yeah, like yeah. I've done a little bit of sound, I work with sound. I'm not, I couldn't work as a sound engineer, but I know enough that I can talk to the sound engineer for a concert and speak the language that they speak. Yeah, and yeah. so I know what to ask for yeah, when yeah, yeah. booking a show. Yeah, no, exactly. I think it's interesting also like how you perceive the 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 artwork here from like according to if, whether you're a curator or a technician or conservator. For People instance. enter the room differently. And yeah, 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 exactly, and, and act differently according to their role somehow. Mm -hmm. Like one of the, one of the interesting things from like um, that I would like to talk is, for instance, like on this palette here, you have the object that Tool has been using for the cyanotypes. Mm -hmm. And as well, as you can see, no, people can't see, but we can describe. Mm -hmm. There's little notebook, some paper which has been printed, um, and just like random tools. Yeah, it but looks here, like a work table yeah. or like a workspace that has then been put on these little silver podiums. Yeah, but this is an artwork. Yeah, yeah, of course. So, no, but I mean, that's what I mean, like it's super weird because like... It's staged. Yeah, and, and this is just a random uh, tied and tables and port information. You can have that if you go in London and you get, become a mudlark, they will give you this. Yeah, yeah. Like this paper, we can print them again if needed, if they get damaged, you know? Like, uh, yeah. This is the badge of Tula, which is like she was using as a random yeah, badge. Her ID badge Yeah. For for working in the river. Yeah. But suddenly it's an artwork, so suddenly you have to use gloves when you touch that. Ah, and, and yeah, so it was a normal ID badge that she was taking on and off every day. And Yeah, but here, because it has been bought by Ham, it's in the exhibition space, there's a particular lighting. This is now, now it's an artwork. Art of, yeah. We put it on a podium, so now you have to wear gloves. Yeah, exactly. And it was really weird because this there was like some... Uh, the curator of the Biennale wanted to have this badge here but the artist was thinking of somewhere else so it has been installed at the last minute and I remember like when the decision has been made for this badge this particular badge then I went to the conservation and I had to bring it back here and I had to put gloves and I was taking the elevator and I was I was holding it on the little palette I was like <laughs> it was a sacralized object and I was like this is a fucking just badge you know like just a random badge yeah but it's just like a lanyard with a laminated yeah. ID card it's not even a fancy one no no it, it becomes suddenly like a graal you know like you're like just yeah. oh, oh my god oh, it's so and then so in in some of the paper for instance you know they, they kind of like if they stay too long on the palette like this for like they can have a chemical reaction so we have this kind of special type of 
plastic paper which is called uh, Melinex. Oh, I'm always confusing with, with Melinex. I think that we have to cut on the same side and then size and we put under. Mm. So, for instance, under this, under this, under the, I mean, under this notebook paper, mm -hmm. and there is this kind of piece of Melinex. Okay. So, so it becomes, you know, you have to make a lot of work just for a random for paper. Or like a piece of paper that you could print a thousand of. Exactly. That's really interesting. So it's yeah, because really these are normal things. They're normal photographic plastic trays from a dark room. They are like, you know, <coughs> some of these things look used. Maybe they're not. Maybe they're staged. But like, you they are normal artifacts, like dirty racks yeah. and stuff. Yeah. So it's like, it's really question, I think, for me, like this idea of circularized object, like how we perceive this art art objects yeah when does something become an artifact and change like yeah. from being an object to being um a symbol of something yeah or exactly represent representation of mm -hmm. of a purpose or something and, uh, and here on the purpose of the artist and something like all these items because like um you could say that they look a little bit like randomly placed that's the purpose of them but of course they're not you have literally like cut out and placed plastic sheets under the items and stuff so is it the artist who is here and placing the lanyard and bending it in this way yeah. and yeah she decided about that okay so does she send photos or does she no she was here. here she was yeah. here because she's finished and so she lived here so she could come here so i walked we walked with her uh to install all the stuff mm -hmm. but yeah and i think like also she was like oh i have this i forgot to give it i'm gonna bring it tomorrow i have also this little notebook and then because for the artist is not wearing gloves when handling no that's work. also quite funny like yeah. we have to wear gloves probably for insurance uh sake yeah and just because we, i mean for so many reasons right like it's her property but then it's sold to someone else but like she's the one who made it so she's yeah. allowed to touch it yeah 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 and i think it's like now we think like these objects, they are just not just a random notebook, but they carry lots of symbolic memory purpose, you know, because now they represent this thing of the Thames just, River. And it's not There's, just one notebook, it's her exactly, notebook. It's her notebook of yeah. this purpose of this work because she's she was like measuring the Thames. So there is like a whole uh, ecology of the Thames, you know, like how all the objects that you find on the side, the the tide you know so and of course it's like if you had a, a if picasso would have had a notebook from or like a brochure from some restaurant and then saved it or something and like painted the like used it for inspiration a gallery would not want an, an equivalent similar brochure no, from want that one you want that one yeah, yeah. you know like yeah, because yeah. like he has to have owned it and touched it and yeah. looked at it and thought about it and it could and you know be the Picasso, same Picasso actually even though I mean it was a piece of shit that's, but uh, Picasso uh, was the only guy I remember like uh, he was the only artist who actually was really fortunate on his living he never paid a restaurant because when he was uh, signing his check to pay the restaurant people or the you know the, or they were keeping the check because there was a signature of Picasso which was way much more valuable than just maybe a steak because he became famous while he was actually alive and he became quite old yeah yeah exactly yeah. so I mean but yeah, yeah that's it's interesting, a funny side story yeah yeah <laughs> but let's just forget remember that Picasso was a horrible uh, toxic man towards women and he's been pushing some of them to suicide so let's just mention this i think it's important nowadays that we mention that picasso is not really nice he would person. have been cancelled if it was today yeah well, at least not 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 enlightened maybe <laughs> at least yeah 
Um, and so, do yeah. you, yeah. with these like, because now these podiums, these tables, they're, they're like ground level, they are, they're only raised like, what, 15, 20 yeah. centimeters, so you could easily accidentally kick them, even yeah. if you didn't yeah. mean to, yeah. as an, as like a viewer, because yeah. they're like in the middle That's of the room. We've been, we've been concerned about this, yeah. So do you take photos of them, and yeah. do someone check every day that the yeah. everything is in the right place? And yes, yeah. not every day, but I think every week there is a okay. conservator that's going to come and have a look and check that everything's okay. And has there been accidents that someone has stumbled into everything? Because, I mean, if I was looking down on my phone or a brochure and walking, you know... Well, that's why also the guards are here. They're working quite well here, and then I think they're quite aware. Usually they are briefed. And when the show is about to open, usually they have a, we have a tour, okay. a technician, curator, everybody's here and uh, tour, show, everything. yeah, exactly. And but I remember something like I think conservator was saying like sometimes you don't realize when you have a painting behind the glass, for instance. How many when you start to when the conservator is going to clean the glass, how many fingerprints you have on the glass? Ah, uh, yeah. So people we don't see people touch, people touch a lot. So you can't avoid this. People will touch, but I mean make it as less possible, least possible. Yeah, and I mean, the good thing is that usually people don't run in a gallery. Yeah. So... Which is, yeah. Yeah. Oh, what we have been talking for a long time. Yeah. <laughs> is there more works in here you want to talk about? Uh, well, this one we have, I haven't studied because it's just a video work, so it was a video company we came, but that's the work of Tabitha Rezer. We can move to Diana Policarpo just quickly. Yeah, sure. Maybe. Well, there is these chairs that we've been installing, and I think they are horribly uncomfortable. But that's just my opinion. <laughs> but they were designed by some specific designers. So. Yeah. Well, you know. I don't know if it's something that should be mentioned. It's a good mention. <laughs> oh, here's the big rock. Yes. Wow. A nice soundscape. Yes. Did you work in here as well? Well, does the Italian crew work here mainly? Mm. So uh, then you just assist if they need someone in house yeah, who knows yeah. like where the electrical yeah. outputs are. And we didn't even have a tool. I think they worked really well. Mm. It was like we just had to install, so it's huge work. Like there was something like sixty or even more. I think maybe more than a hundred pack of pieces of polystyrene that came from Venice because that was also in Venice for mm. the Biennale. It came by transport. I think there was like. Uh, four trucks or more and it was in storage in, uh, in our collection center then it was brought here I was like it took us the f whole day just to bring them here and go back and forth to bring all the rest of the stuff so it was a lot of because it comes in shipping containers yeah to the harbor and then it I has to be I think it came by truck actually yeah I'm not sure but mm -hmm. yeah it's always like the cardboard footprint of this work I think it's quite big in terms of transportation and it's uh, an interesting thing, like the aspect of transporting works, because of, I think quite often when they're sent like abroad, I remember I had a classmate once in Copenhagen who had these massive metallic sculptures that she had to ship to Japan. And then like this, it f like to just trust this process mm -hmm. of just like, what if they disappear, you know? Yeah. Like, like what if this <laughs> ship what if sinks? Or, yeah, yeah but, and that's the thing, like insurance is this really weird thing with artworks because like, how do you estimate the value if it hasn't been bought? And so there's a like yeah. quite specific way that usually it's calculated and it's like, it's, it's like a, the balance between your CV, which means like yeah. how famous are you? 
and then like the material cost of the work and yeah. the work hours yeah, that you have yeah. put into it. How much, how much it would cost to reproduce this work? Yeah, how much it would cost to reproduce it and like your work hours and then your work hours, like yeah. the salary is kind of determined by how famous you are or like the potential like sell, sales value of the work would be according to your CV. Yeah. And so with these three uh, numbers, the insurance companies find this like average and then that's like, they calculate the, the yeah, insurance yeah, yeah. price from that. Yeah, yeah, that's the job of Maria. <laughs> yeah, okay. Well, luckily, it's not my job. <laughs> no, no. But yeah, it's, I think it's uh, it's quite a hell of a, of a price. It takes a big budget, uh, I think. Anyway, I mean, I know that the, the Binal 2023 had a lower budget than the Binal 2021. If yeah, anybody it's much wonders, smaller now. Yeah. It's the Binal 2021, I think we had a budget over a million. I think it was massive. It, was, yeah. it was also almost like a circus. Like there was too much happening. Yeah, yeah. I think there was a lot of stuff, and uh, luckily there is less stuff this year. And I think people have been actually complaining about that. But uh, but yeah, I mean the the. the I think this 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 work is really nice. <laughs> yeah, super nice. And now we had this good um, <laughs> we had this good visualization of what happened because <laughs> people touch. Yeah. Someone knocked the rock to check yeah. if it was real rock. Yeah. No, it's polystyrene. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> yeah. I mean, like for like this work, I could emit a critic because of course, but that's I mean that's the whole problem of contemporary art is that. This work has an ecological uh, message behind. But then it's made from really toxic material. Exactly, polystyrene, and then brought from Venice uh, with big container, and then taking a lot of uh, man work. And uh, so the carbon footprint is not good, but it's also raised an issue which is maybe important to raise. But of course, yeah. I mean, I'm not here to 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 maybe uh, people will understand my my opinion. But despite the fact I really like the work, I think it's really nice, impressive. Yeah, but does and the artist is really lovely also. So okay, but that so helps that's a lot nice. for me when I work with an artist. If the artist is nice, then I somehow I will develop some kind of attraction for the artwork. I will be like, okay, the yeah. artwork is quite nice because the, also because the artist will be able to, to explain me and how the the whole concept of the work yeah, is. Do behind. you feel like you generally like? In get, like view art differently after have worked so much with like on the technical side of it. Like, do you go into a gallery and and see the works differently now? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And I think that uh, in French we call it déformation professionnelle, like professional. Yeah, work damage. Yeah, uh, uh, occupational hazard in English. Yeah, I yeah. think when you go in, I always look at how it's been enhanced. Yeah, I can't go into a nightclub or a conservation without like I start <laughs> looking up immediately yeah. to see the what light fixtures do they have in the ceiling. So and white light fixture there is here. <laughs> I mean, I honestly, I had a whole trip in Paris where I mainly took photographs of all the ceilings in, yeah. to see how the lighting was installed. <laughs> yeah. I so. Maybe I could just mention this that was it was built for the Olympic of 1952. This building. Ah, yeah. Uh, we didn't even talk about the building. No, yeah. And it was here. There was a tennis court and basketball court, I think. Yeah, and honestly, that is how the room looks. It has this big, like, yeah. uh, curved, uh, curved uh, arch, yeah. or arched uh, ceiling. Yeah. It's really large. Yeah, I could imagine it as a sports hall. Yeah, I think after it has been a garage hall. Okay. There was some garage and cars. Then it became again a gym place. I, I, there is one of the technicians that sometimes works with us that has a souvenir of playing tennis here, <laughs> which is quite funny that now 
Pete's uh, when there is no exhibition. Space. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, for um, ah, okay, playing tennis back in the day. Yeah, yeah back in, in when the nineties. When did it become a gallery? <gasps> I'm not sure. I can't. I think 2014. I think because the ham. Well, it's so new. No, 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 wait, 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 no, 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 I'm not saying, I think Ham was originally in, in Mail Arty. Okay. And I think they moved in the 2000, but I'm not sure exactly when. Okay. Uh, I, I can't remember by, by but you can because check. I I've only the, lived here for five years, so for me mm. this has just been one of those mastodont museum yeah. spaces that has always been here, but I guess no, it has yeah. not always been no, here. No, no, and I think the museum has been growing quite a lot. Before there was only, there was Kulturi Museo here, okay. and then Taide Museo on the other side, and now it became Taide Museo, the whole thing. And what and about the seagull hum. outside? So in the main entrance of this gallery, on top of like the main entrance, there is this big seagull sculpture, yeah. and it looks like something from an amusement park. It's it's an artwork. From it's an artwork. Think, yeah, okay. but I can't... So yeah. was it commissioned for here, do you know? I think so, yeah. Yeah. Because I remember, like last funny. year, last year someone came to wash it up. So, so I think okay. it uh, it has to be entertained. It has, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, the building I think is quite beautiful. And this, yeah, it's nice. This lighting track can go until the top. Yeah. So we have this mechanism. That's why we need to use the Leguan, this big machine mm -hmm. that goes really high up there, and then you can also open the windows, which might be the case for the next exhibition apparently. Ah, to open the big windows to yeah, to get natural light in. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, because these right windows. now this room is like super dimmed with this like nice orange light spotlighting on these big rocks. Yeah, and pretty dark. It's, everything is quite brown. Do you color the floor? Yeah. Because that's the, yeah. Like, is that the normal color? Yeah, that's the original color of this. So it's just like colored from the lights and everything. Yeah. Everything seems like red or brown, like we're in like a desert on Mars or something without the <laughs> dust. Yeah, I think it's supposed to reproduce this island uh, in, uh, I think it belongs to Portugal in the Atlantic Ocean, which has this uh, nature diversity. It's a forbidden island. Only a researcher can go there. Ah, because... I, I, there is a window carved in one of the rocks and it has like uh, or like in multiple places in the rocks there are windows carved and there are like video screens yeah. as tv windows in the rock yeah that people can look at these videos of islands in the middle of the ocean yeah okay nice do, do people climb on these i hope not <laughs> no but it's like it really you, would be I easy uh, yeah but i don't think it's so dangerous i mean of course you can fall but uh it's not going to damage the work because no? uh, I don't think, I mean, the the crew was working on it, so. Oh, okay. But yeah, it has been patched up with some kind of specific glue. Yeah, all the yeah, sure. Together and stuff, and painted. Yeah. Should we exit the space again? Yeah, we can. Talking about sacralized object, this little thing we had to put also a fence normally it's not supposed to <laughs> and in venice apparently the artists were saying that there was uh, something like nine or ten and lots of them have been stolen yeah so it's these little glass eggs yeah and there are three glass small glass eggs on the floor uh and then there is this around a uh, tiny little railing around it it's like dark size this railing mm -hmm. but it looks it does change the work so so much that it's yeah. like you have framed it in this way. Yeah, exactly. There's a different meaning, certainly. But now people don't steal them because there's a railing, yeah. and when there was no railing, people stole them. Yeah, but I think in Venice it was also the sh the work was in the church, like old church, and I think it, they were disseminated everywhere. 
So I think that's why it was stolen also. Here it's okay. kind of like it's so sacralized with the lightning. And in the center of the room with yeah. like a spotlight on, yeah. Yeah, yeah, with the spotlight I think it's a bit like, okay, if I touch it, I think people will notice it and I will be punished. Uh. But I mean, I guess like, <laughs> If for works that are older and even more valuable and stuff, you would have glass and like electrical alarms and everything. We don't have any electrical alarm. No, but, but in have, galleries have that have plexi, okay, uh, and usually it's sealed, so yeah, you can't. Okay. I mean, so for yeah. really valuable things, but also yeah. I mean, in some museums that have really old stuff and really things, yeah, they usually, usually have like a lot of protection. Yeah, and and, and they are. I don't think we ever install like a alarm on a work. No, but usually if they are really like valuable they are under glass or behind a glass okay. or you know on the vitrine so people can't uh, accidentally touch yeah, it or yeah. yeah but i mean one work which is really valuable is the tove Jonsson fresco which is downstairs oh, yeah. i think it's quite valuable and there is no glass but there's a little uh same there's a little um tape mm. black tape on the floor that means like you don't and they know. were created for a public space for the wall right yeah for a town hall yeah so so maybe yeah. And so um, now there are all this sound and the lights. So who turns that on in the morning? Like because it's automatic. Automatic. Okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Actually, here is the. Oh, this is the cabinet. So I could fuck up the whole exhibition here with one push. Please I guess. don't. Yeah. No, I won't. <laughs> because Calais is in holiday. So. <laughs> uh, so if it fucks up. Yeah. Well, no. But of course, there is like uh, there is like Adam or all the are supposed to know a bit. Of course, what's the, there. Do you ever have to have the artist fly in again to fix something? Does the it have? Do you ever have to call the artist and say, "Shit, something fucked up"? You have to fly mm, back in. No, 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 no. Okay. No, luckily, no. I think <laughs> I would say we are professional yeah, enough yeah, to, yeah. to handle any kind of situation. But that's good. And uh, yeah. And so I want to circle back because now we took a walk through all of this. That, and so you are also an artist. And you say you don't call yourself an artist anymore, but you do still work actively, like you do. Not really. No. No, I think. Uh, I don't know. I I think I'm lacking motivation uh, oh. to work as an artist. Um, I think even more in film, I think it's quite difficult. Uh, when I came here, I realized that okay, well, the art field is really small, and there is only grand system somehow. And if you want yeah. to access it, let's face it, people might disagree, but come on, uh, you get a grant also because you know the people in the board or people know you. Or there is like, it's if you're coming from nowhere, it's quite difficult. I think it's also so. just that like the art world here and the style is quite like narrow. Yeah. So a lot of the works that are chosen are like maybe not similar, but treating a lot of the same topics or you know so yeah. yeah yeah so if you work with something that doesn't really fit in anywhere i mean a lot of the work that i do it's just like it works a lot by trend also and but um i mean it's also like well, that's one of the reasons for like why alto has been cutting their budget in the art department mm -hmm. for instance so well it's just everywhere they're cutting the budget yeah, everywhere but one of the I, I remember talking to laura beloff which was before the head of ICA, mm -hmm. uh mentioning that uh that the, the policies of the government and also of the deciders is like they don't want to have uh, alto uh, art in terms of like producing artists because there is already Kuvataide. 
you know, they, they really think it's kind of really binary way. Like, there is already Kubata, they're producing arts, so we don't need it. It's so wild, else. like, in this country, <coughs> that my school, the Fine Arts Academy, is the only Fine Arts Academy in the universe, in the country. Like, there's only this one institution where you can study your whole degree within Fine mm. Arts. In Denmark, there's three. Yeah. And we have the same amount of people. In France, you have, like, a Fine Arts Academy in lots yeah, of cities. France yeah. is super big and has yeah, a really old art history and yeah, everything. Yeah, yeah. But Denmark and Finland is similar in this way that it's like Nordic countries, the societies are very similar and we have exactly the same amount of people, like more or less. Yeah. Finland is geographically larger, but I mean, yeah. I think I think the problem, I mean the problem, not the problem, but like the shame is a bit that uh, Finland, because Finland could see what has been done in the other countries, so they could take as an opportunity to make it better or make it different so so but I think it's not really the case I think it's just following this really uh, economical view of the art and art needs to be useful for society in a way of like I don't know I think Alto they decided that art is not going to be a research topic anymore somehow for instance so you don't really see art as a research topic and also Kuvatel is already doing that so in Alto you don't need like so Vika is going to disappear as a program it's going mm. to be just a major in art and media and so do photography so do uh, Nova art education and all this all this other program so yeah I think it's uh, so you're lacking motivation because you are lacking opportunities also I think it's a, it's a lot of things also I'm a dad since six months now and uh, ah, so you are busy yeah but I don't think it's the I don't think it's the fact that because actually it could be also a really big motivation but I think I'm maybe more useful doing curator creating studies or curatorial studies I think and also I would like to maybe uh, maybe help to enlighten some other people than me but what do you make of your own art like um if you make something like you just had have now this exhibition in Tallinn or no in Tartu. Other, in Tartu, in yeah. a, another Estonian city with a yeah. T um, so you found the motivation for this well it was a work that I made already in 2020 and I think okay. that's, that's one of the reasons why I stopped so in 2020 just before the COVID I had two exhibitions in a row from a big project I wanted to do which was focusing on this generational environmental amnesia it was a photographic work, which also some installation and video installation. And I had an exhibition in Third Space Gallery, which uh, was existing still, still before. Yeah, and it's unfortunately not anymore. It was such no. a nice place. Yeah. And then I had a second exhibition because it was in two parts in Caleria in Calio. Okay. But I had no network. And uh, I think I got, I spent money, energy, lots of time and nobody came to my exhibition <laughs> not to make people Woo! Oh. but like I think I, I got like also uh, yeah I don't know. and also when you work as a technician you also you can become really cynical because you can see all the little things that sometimes you're like what really that much of money for this insignificant shit <laughs> So and also it's the practical job you have to be pragmatic and yeah. so I think a healthy dose of cynicism is necessary because as you say it's about safety and it's about valuable stuff and it's about your responsibility to make sure that yeah. these things are in order yeah. it's quite t typical most of the people i know who work as technicians either like in my school and teaching or like pre taking care of the gear or people i've known who was stage technicians who were responsible for the venues 
gear. They are always these the most like grumpy people in the workplace, mm-hmm. and people are a little bit afraid of them. They keep like really strong attitude <laughs> yeah, I, I about know. stuff, yeah. but it's because if they don't do it, no one gives a shit. And yeah. so, yeah, I, I think so. So like maybe maybe we are here to maybe calm calm the I don't want to say like the the vigorous. Uh, thinking of artists sometimes you're like oh I'm going to change the world with my stuff and everything is going to be so nice and, and maybe it's like cool it down can you do this is it possible to do this yeah. do you want it and this it's way? just one exhibition out of so many in a year exactly and I think that's also one of the, the reasons for me why I don't want to do art it's also like uh, we are you know I mean we are you know the extreme right uh, rising and all these kind of things and I feel like it's nice to be in harm, but uh, we are talking to a really marginal part of the society here, and mm-hmm. uh, somehow I really wish that institution and other places would maybe be able to broaden their perspective out of Helsinki, for instance, and maybe talk to people who maybe places which are lacking diversity and uh, maybe you know out of ignorance of hating some certain type of people just because they don't know them. Mm-hmm. I mean, just this kind of thing. Like I feel like that's why I feel like it needs to be politically engaged. Do you see? Do you follow me? Yeah, <laughs> like, I mean, I'm, I don't agree about that art needs to be politically engaged or necessarily like uh, change the world. I I do quite appreciate things that are just aesthetically or sensorically mm-hmm. like pleasing or just that I can experience them. Yeah, I like to just experience things and go, wow, yeah, yeah, but that's, wow, how wonderful. No, but of course that's my. <laughs> personal opinion but like for me I'm always using the example of my sister which is a teacher and she's like a educated person and stuff but she always say like oh but it's not for me I, I don't understand that I'm like why do you say that well because mainly in order for us we are in a little uh, microcosm of the art so we are like wow it's so broadening my vision it's interesting my perspective but spend a lot of years learning how to understand it also exactly yeah. and then I think like I'm always thinking like you know when I go to my partner's family in the east, uh, they are farmers or originally be- mm-hmm. before farmers and sometimes like we are so, I'm so out of their world, you know, and I, I think we need to understand their world and we need to understand ours and I think they I, need some, you know. I lived in the east for half a year, two years ago and ran an artist residency in a village on the border. Okay. And made public art events and stuff and invited international artists to stay there like so I had we had this flood of people coming to stay in this village for half a year and create art, and then we collaborated with local venues and, it was a nice experience. and made all these like big exhibitions and stuff. Yeah, it was wonderful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I, yeah. I mean, it was really great. They thought it was super strange a lot of what we did and whatever. People were running around in all these like crazy outfits everywhere, and we were like celebrating Christmas in the local bar in September yeah. and. <laughs> But they thought it was fun. They were really happy yeah. about it. Yeah. I think I did also a small residency in a small village also. And then it was amazing to see how people were responding to it. And I think there is, I mean, I don't know. I, I don't want to maybe go too, too much in this topic. But No, we're also running out of time. Yeah, but, but it's just, I think that's also one thing. I really wish that uh, that art would be maybe more engaging with all the social class and all the different diversity of people we have in the country and I think even more in Finland where I feel like even in the government people don't see art as serious thing there is the budget in the government is incredibly low and there is lots of people who think that it's just entertainment 
Do you feel that in your position that, like you say here, they're really good about safety and stuff and things, and, but do you feel like there are some places where you feel the cuts in the lowest like part of the workforce? Uh, that like, can you feel that the, that the budgets have been cut during the last 10 years? Well, I'm not sure since enough time, I think, to, okay, to tell yeah. that, but I know some museums are paying quite low, which is quite surprising because there are museums which... You would I think, think they have a lot of money. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, but I don't know if it's because of budget or just bad managing or I don't know. But for instance, my partner is um, programming a film festival in Savonina in, in August and they are there since 12 years. They should be really like settling. They should receive like, you know, regular funding because they are so important for the place there. But every year is a struggle to get money. They never get paid properly. And every time they have to be like to receive grants, they have to always have some new ideas. With Kino Club here in Helsinki, been active for seven years, the collective. Um, is, we never get grants. We keep applying, we never get any. And there's so many grants who like uh, Sorbus was really nice, disappeared. Cosminen yeah. was really nice, disappeared. Like there is Helsinki is just full of this kind of little collective that raised up, got a grant for five years by Kone, and then they disappeared because. Either they also like a lot motivation. of them are still active. They're just in other places now. Yeah, but sometimes I feel like uh, we need these kind of places to settle in time to yeah, become and it's difficult. more institutionalized. That also to mm -hmm. have a bigger diversity of views. But know? it's really hard to keep doing the same thing for free for ten years. Well, of course. But I really no, but to keep like the place. You know, after the content can change. Yeah, yeah. But you know, like I mean. I mean, that's that's what I feel sometimes that, uh, like in Paris, when you have lots of galleries, of course they would change their, maybe they would disappear or they will change their content, but at least mm -hmm. they are here. They are like places that you can go, places you can also, they, I mean, they will curate some new programs, some new stuff. And But I feel, I feel here there is this pressure of the grant, like, um, and I think also it's people are saying also like we are, because we are so used to this grant system, uh, here it's like you make a project, you exhibit it, it's over. Faster, we move to something else, and as there is yeah. no continuity in long term, and I think that's maybe what we are lacking. I new, would love to see that a bit more. The new Fine Arts Academy building is really um, a visual manifestation of this uh, new attitude in the art world. Mm -hmm. uh, that uh, the whole building is kind of not not built for this ongoing studio practice, more built for these like uh, multifunctional like production projects that you have a production space that you use for a limited amount of time and when the work is done you move it out to the gallery space but that is this like naive uh, idea that we all have a gallery space waiting for the work and then uh, what after the gallery because there's not space in the studio to store it no but you were supposed to sell it in the gallery so there is this like idea of like the turnover <clears throat> yeah. that like a work is made and then it has already a destiny and that is just often not the reality like a lot of us we just we live with our works and we look at them and then we change them and we recycle and that is the normal cycle it's not this like start and like finish and start and finish it's yeah i don't know yeah, yeah i think it's something there is something wrong in this but because for me also art should be something that you research. So you go, you know, you have some interest that you have about something and then you want to go deeper. So you make a first exhibition, but then you go deeper and deeper and deeper. And then sometimes it can be a long-term or life project. And and I think that somehow all the arts which are doing that, they are going abroad. I mean, 
No, but let's face it, the results of artists which are really known finish arts, but they don't, most of them they don't live in Finland anymore. Or, or they live half in Finland. Or, yeah. I mean, but I think this is general. Uh, that is a general thing about artists. That That is why, like this job, you need to go work in multiple countries. You need to apply for opportunities everywhere. But also the job allows you to live in multiple places or work between cities. And I, I don't I think that's a nice part of it. It's so boring for if everyone in Helsinki has to experience the same exhibitions over and over. Like, of course, let yeah. someone else see them somewhere else. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Some that, other perspective. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. So, like, it would be boring here also if none of the international people could come. If it could only be people who live here who make the art here. I know, of course you not. Know. Yeah, no, we need diversity. We yeah. need some other perspective. But, but I think that's also why also I stopped being. I need some stability. Yeah. I'm 35, and I'm just tired of fucking applying all the time, being stressing. Applying being for panicking. grants is really yeah. emotionally yeah. taxing. It's the, the level of sorrow when you don't receive the grant, you're like, fuck, fuck's sake, I can't do this project because I don't have the money. And then, then you move on and you do a technician job and then... Yeah. Some, yeah. But I mean, that's the, the loop that I don't want to have anymore. But so. do you feel like it's inspiring to work with other people's works like this? Like, do you get inspired from relating so closely with other people's practices? Yes and no, because sometimes also I don't have any studio and I don't have the money for it. And uh, sometimes yeah. I realize that lots of ideas I have, uh, I can't make them because I don't have the studio, I don't have the money to produce it, I don't have the materials. And sometimes, you know, It's a lot also about opportunities and chances and people that you meet. I, I mean, I don't believe in meritocracy, okay? I don't believe in these people who say like, if you want it, you can do it. Yeah, fuck that. Like, come on, just like do some sociology a bit, understand a bit of society and you will realize that that's not the case. I mean, there is still a social class issue in here. And then, I mean, I'm not saying that uh, I'm a poor person or whatever, but I mean, I think it's, yeah, I'm lacking like space, time, There money. Is a priorities and decisions and actually the last episode of this podcast before this one was me interviewing myself checking up on like my own uh, progress with my thesis work and stuff and um, yeah I made the decision the last year to move into my art studio and live there illegally because I didn't have money to have a studio and a home and I was losing my workspace at school and I had to mm. do my master's work and I couldn't work where I was living. So I had to choose between yeah. living and working and so yeah. I, I made the decision to uh, to make it work in my yeah, studio. Yeah. So I don't have a real kitchen, I don't yeah. have my own bathroom, I, I make it work, I do laundry with friends, like I go around yeah, town. Nobody would have, nobody should have to do this kind of Well, choice, I mean, for so. me it's okay, but I don't have a kit, you know, I don't yeah, yeah. have like, I, I can make this like complicated lifestyle where I only cook in the night when I don't disturb the neighbors because like the office people next door they can't know I'm there so I, I okay. don't like you know I, I don't cook in the daytime when they are in next door I, I work at night with my power tools to not be loud and then you know I don't have money for a lot of things but I was working with the sound of the space like working with what I have so it's exactly the same It can be done, but not everything can be done. Like, yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah. I can have this unpractical lifestyle because I yeah. am just me. I can be very bohem, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I wouldn't even be able to have a dog. Yeah, yeah. But then, like, uh, I mean, so we can stop this, but then, like, uh, it took me quite a lot of time, I mean, to go to Alto and to understand that I can study 
art studies mm. because like when I was 18 years old and I went to, go to university I mean for me like fine art academy I didn't even know what was it and I don't have any art people in my family mm. and it took me quite a lot of time but I can access that it's okay I can go there yeah, I, mean, I have the right yeah, to go. Yeah. I have the right to study, and this is. But you're right. It's a very small, closed-off world. A lot of people don't really realize what is happening. And because, because exactly as my sister said, you know, like art, oh, art's not for me. I think I believed in that kind of thing. Like it's high-ranked people. It's not me. I mean, it's like also it's very bourgeois. abstract. You yeah, know, yeah, yeah. it's for like for me, it was this kind of people. I'm like, okay, it's not a world I can access. And uh, when I started working in the gallery, I, I actually had lots of uh, kind of um, what do you say, like social class joke. You know, like, mm. like because I was not talking. I was not having the proper language of mm. artistic people and the gallerists were somehow a bit like bourgeois and they were mocking me because I was using words and way of speaking which were not correct, for instance. So I think it tells a lot that for me it was difficult for me to understand that hey, you can actually go in finance academy, that's actually you, you have access, you can have the right to go there. Yeah. So now I'm 35, I started Vika last year and then I'm like, okay, I can't do that. So Yeah. And I mean, the good thing in Helsinki or in Finland is that you can still take many educations and stuff. So it's possible to do adult education in this yeah, way. Yeah. And But I mean, even me, I come from a culturally pretty aware family with like, there has been some, not artists, but like I have an aunt who was a photographer and is now a curator. I, my granddad was an art historian by education and a teacher by, by field, but you know, my parents, everyone, my schools have always taken me to galleries and the museums. Yeah. And still it was not until I was a teenager and my mom cut out this interview with students from the Fine Arts Academy from the paper and said, I think this sounds like maybe it would be something for you. And then it took me like 15 years more until I actually decided maybe to go to funny. school. Yeah, yeah. but it's, um, but that's part of this podcast. It's that I try to make it accessible so that people can... Because the art world is a little bit, everyone knows what it is. And at the same time, only people who work in it really understand what it is. So I'm trying, I always have everyone explain everything so that people who are not speaking this fancy language, mm. that they can still be part of the conversation and they can yeah. realize what and is then, it actually yeah. we do every day. And they can access, everybody can access and everybody can go and study art. It's like that's the... We yeah. should all somehow study art. <laughs> yeah, all this beautiful world. You know. okay. Yeah. Um, do you yourself have any websites or social media that people can check out if they want to check out your slightly more... inactive art practice? <laughs> <laughs> I have a website, but it's not uh, entertained since quite a while now, but clementbureau.com. Yeah. <laughs> but otherwise, I have my Instagram if you want to follow mm. what I'm doing. Oh. What is it called? It's just Clément Béraud. And uh, we will, I will yeah. add links, <laughs> I will add hyperlinks in the show notes like always, but it's still good to say it. Yeah. B-E-R-A-U-D is my family name. Okay. <laughs> and we will maybe, how long is the exhibition in Estonia going on? 12th of August. So this episode, oh, I'm not sure it will come out in time. Oh, that's okay. Mm. <laughs> yeah. No. Okay. But but we will still add a link to it so people can check it out because yeah. it's nice and it's the all the technicians from here in Helsinki that yeah. you know. Yeah. Such yeah. a nice idea. A technician. Yeah. Are they good with this in Estonia? Why did you do it there? Because I was part of an exhibition in Tallinn that um, was highlighting all the hidden work 
in the gallery space. Mm. So it was a it was an exhibition about all the hidden positions and all the hidden jobs. Okay. Well, that's nice. Yeah. I think now we got it because when we were doing the Biennale 2021, there was an intern on the conservation which was from Tartu Academy or okay. university. And then we talked to her and she said like there is an open call for this Palace Gallery. Oh. And then one of us applied, Nelly. She applied and for us, it. and then we got the space, so and nice. then we got a grant actually. So it was quite nice. Wonderful. First time ever, I I enjoyed the benefic- benefits of having a grant. Yeah, yeah I, I also got paid for the one in in Tallinn. It was in the Fine Arts Academy there, and there were some students from there who were on exchange here, and they saw they came to some of these. I used to do these artists anonymous meetings in my school. Okay, as like. I don't know, like a public service or a, like an interesting like art workshop or something. And then I would host these like AA meetings for the art students that they could just come and hang out and talk and drink coffee and eat cake. And then I was hired to do it uh, two times during this exhibition as part of like, okay. yeah, yeah, nice, it was nice. really nice, yeah. super nice. So yeah, I also got paid and I came and they, every time they gave me my own desk so that I could have a workspace in the exhibition. And, okay, yeah. well, we were not paid, but at least for transport, that's what's great. Nice. But you had the grant. I mean, I was just yeah, hired grant, as yeah. like a ah, facilitator yeah, yeah. for okay. this yeah. event. Yeah, yeah, anyway. Is there something else that we have forgotten, that I have forgotten to ask you, or that you wanted to ask me, or do you want to mention something that we forgot? Oh, I think I mentioned everything. It's like, it's always a little bit confusing <laughs> yeah. after always, such a long yeah. time. Always think about the technicians. <laughs> yeah, and obviously when you go home you will realize something that you should have said and I will realize something I should have asked, but that's how it is. We can't yeah, say everything in one episode. Exactly. If, I hope, I hope uh, everything make, made sense and if people have questions. Oh, I think it was so just, clear, everything. Okay. Yeah, really, nice. I think it was really good. Thank okay. you so much for, uh, for sharing, because it's also a little bit special to be invited to talk about like someone else's work or how to deal with yeah, yeah. <laughs> someone else's work. But well, thank you for the invitation. Yeah, sure. No, I think it was such an important part of like understanding all of this. Yeah, soon I will have like etched around things like from all. Yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to work my way through all the roles. Yeah. <laughs> okay, well, yeah, thanks. And thank you to the listeners also. Yes, thank you, everybody. Yeah, I think that was it. Okay, bye. Bye. Thank you for listening. Hope you enjoyed it.